This episode of Software Social is brought to you by Reform. As a business owner, you need forms all the time for lead capture, user feedback, SaaS onboarding, job applications, early access signups, and many other types of forms. Here's how Reform is different. Your brand shines through, not Reforms. It's accessible out of the box, and there are no silly design gimmicks like frustrating customers by only showing one question at a time. Join indie businesses like Fathom Analytics and Savvy Cal and try out Reform. Software Social listeners get one month free by going to reform.app/social and using the promo code social on checkout. So today I'm so excited we have a friend joining us, Cam Sloan. Hello. Uh, Cam, so we invited you on today um, because you had tweeted the other day uh, about how you're kind of feeling stuck right now. And we're like, you know what? Maybe we like we can chat about it and help you get unstuck. Yeah, that was, uh, I guess, shout out to Aaron Francis, who kind of like just was like, hey, bring him on. And uh and I was like, yeah, let's do it. That would be awesome. And I think that, you know, just speaking that tweet, it really seemed to resonate with a lot of other people, like other founders who are trying to do this. And because um, I had an outpouring of, you know, comments and support and DMs from people I don't know and people that I do know and invites to like this show and, and stuff to just like, it's amazing the community that has reached out to um, kind of say like, well, all sorts of things I'm sure we'll get into today. So it's been, um, I don't know, really nice to, it's always nice to have that because sometimes you're just going at this and you feel like super alone. So for context, I just feel kind of stuck in, in like, you know, do I keep going? Do I switch to something else? Or do I, um, you know, yeah, like <laughs> I've kind of contemplated like just doing contract work and, you know, just make money that way because it's a bit easier so all sorts of stuff that is going through my head over the past few months um because it's just uh slow slow going yeah cam to get us started could you give us a little background about your product and how long you've been working on it yeah definitely that would be helpful for listeners. Um, so yeah, I am working on Hopscotch. It's a user onboarding tool, um, specifically focusing on product tours um, and kind of in-app messaging and guides to kind of, you know, when a user signs up for your product, um, sometimes you want to kind of hold their hand a bit to show them what their next step should be uh, in order to help uh, prevent them from churning um, by actually showing them to the thing that they want to do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, product tours, to be honest, like it's not the right fit for every every business, but sometimes there are really good use cases. Like if you have a complex product that has like you get in like a CRM or like an analytics tool that has like 10 options on the top menu and 10 on the side and you, your users just get dumped or you know, land in this page with no idea what to do next, then a really good way to show them uh, is is to guide them, you know, and kind of say, um, you know, here's here's what your next step should be so that you can see value out of the product. So I've been working on this for, I mean, about a year since the inception of like actually like the idea, but really kind of steadily since January 
of this year in 2021 um, and kind of focusing most of my time on it um, because um, outside of that, I do freelancing contract work um, for, you know, larger companies just doing web development work for them. And uh, that kind of helps me to stay self-funded to do my projects like this and, and hopefully grow my own uh, software business. Yeah. So, so I kind of, I want to propose a structure for this conversation. So for sure, I've mentioned a little bit in my book, how the sort of core questions that you're trying to answer when you talk to a customer can also be used when maybe you're helping somebody think through something, which are, what are they trying to do overall? Why? Um, you know, what are the steps in that process they're going through? Um, what if they already tried and where are they stuck? And so I feel like you've kind of, you've started to give us a little bit of overview on the, what you're trying to do and, mm -hmm. and why, um, I'm curious what led you to be interested in building an onboarding tool? Yeah. So the, you know, like, as I don't know if you did this as well when you were coming up with, uh, you know, what business to go into, you like make a list, you're trying to make a list of ideas and like most of them are pretty terrible. And, uh, uh and like I had maybe 50 ideas and this was kind of one of them that I didn't really think too much about until I actually, I met someone who I, um, who wanted to hire me to build, uh, to work on their software company and just doing web development for them. And we actually ended up, I didn't work for him. It wasn't the right fit for taking on that contract, but we ended up like really getting along well, um, kind of both having founder ambitions. And he was almost like in the position that I'm at right now where he was feeling a bit stuck. And so we ended up saying, hey, we should like try and work on something together. And um, and we were thrown like, what ideas have you been having? And uh, and we both checked kind of our lists and, and this was one of them. So for him, he was actually experiencing like, the pain point more than I had previously. So really, um, he was searching around for tools and like came across intercom product tours and other app queues and realizing like, you know, he's a bootstrap founder cannot justify the price at like $300 plus a month, and was looking for a tool that was maybe uh, affordable that that could get him up and running. And we kind of ran with that together. Um, in like, just real quick summary, like he ended up going and building another business. So I kept going on hopscotch. Um, and yeah, like as soon as I dove into the problem, like I really enjoyed it both technically because like you're, you're kind of embedding your, um, yourself into another SaaS product by default, like by the definition of what these tools do. And so there's a lot of like really interesting technical learnings that I've had to, um, had to go through with that like anytime you're dealing with like widget embed scripts and other people's code it's it's a lot of interesting stuff on the technical side but then also just realizing like that there's a lot of interesting stuff in the um human and business side of this as well like i started soaking in resources from samuel hulick and like the user list team and uh you know, anywhere that I could find um, people who are talking about onboarding and realizing like how crucial it can be to a business's success, because, um, you know, if you can reduce 
that initial churn in the first month or two, then then it can have a wild impact on the like lifetime value of customers and how your product retains users. And so it just kept me interested from then on, which is why I didn't like end up going working on something else uh, after after he uh, like my co-founder went to do something else. So let's talk a little bit about where you are now. So you launched in April, is that right? Or May? Yeah, so okay. I think so. <laughs> Time is a blur. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like because I've kind of been doing like I did a lot of stuff with early access of just onboarding one-on-one like people who are signing up for the early access list. And at one point I kind of let people sign up on their own, which April sounds it might be even a bit early. It might've been just a couple months ago that I, I finally made it so that people could self sign up. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of the customers I was speaking to back in April and May and June, like I was kind of doing just, they would express interest, find the landing page, and then we would jump on a demo call and, um, and some of them would, you know, try the product. Others would just kind of like, ghost off and um and so that's kind of where yeah like i probably had about 40 conversations demo calls and stuff and you know i'm sitting with just a handful of like really just one main customer that is like paying me uh and has the product installed and i've like kind of done a white glove service to help them get up and running with it and then i have a couple like i don't know like almost just like friends and family supporters or like people who have like paid but not activated. Um, and so I don't like really even count towards the um, bottom line there. Like there's not a lot that I can gain from uh, from them except their $20 a month. <laughs> so uh, what's your revenue at right now? If you're comfortable saying that. Yeah, I'm, I'm at like 150 MRR. And what are your expenses to keep it running? uh pretty low um yeah like i'm paying like i don't know 20 bucks a month for server costs and um and then it's really just a matter of like i am trying to pay you know just paying my rent and stuff out of savings and like all of that i have um like the way that i kind of manage my cash flow there is just um by doing a certain amount of freelance per year and then saying I have to make this much and then that kind of floats me on that side of things and so yeah it's it's like really quite inexpensive to keep it operating like this but I have thought like I have quite a bit of cash in the business bank account from doing the contracting freelancing um there's about a hundred and 120k there that is um kind of you know just sitting as runway but I I have also considered like should I be deploying this more effectively? Like if I'm ready to work on this business, like, which I guess is a big question mark, like, do I keep going or not? But like, do I want to invest more in, I don't know, maybe trying some ads or trying to hire someone to help with the content and things that I'm not doing. So hopefully that gives a bit of a picture of the financials and stuff. Can we go back to the 40 onboarding calls you did? And talk a little yeah. bit more about that. I'm really curious. So you actually got on the phone with 40 people who organically reached out to you? Yeah, I would say, you know, somewhere in that range. Because um, I had about 100 people um, on my 
like early access list. Um, this was over the course of several months. And so as they were joining, I would kind of do the playbook of like, um, you know, as soon as they sign up or maybe a day or two later, sometimes depending how much um, like I was working on product or if I was in uh, learning mode at the time, I would, you know, jump onto calls with them. I did come out with like a really early version of this product and um, sent it to like a handful of customers and then, you know, got feedback like, oh, but it doesn't do this. Um, so I go back to product mode and, and rebuild and say like, here we go. But then, you know, maybe there were other um, other issues that it wasn't solving. Uh, like a huge part of that just felt like maybe it wasn't a huge pain point because I actually went back to a lot of these like people and I plan to go back and even speak to like send some more follow-up emails because just this week I, I sent about, I don't know, five or six of them. Um, so yeah, where I guess I'm, I've been speaking with, you know, quite a few customers that would be requesting these features. Um, and then I would, you know, go off, take maybe a week or whatever it took to go and build the smallest version of that, come back. And, um, and sometimes that was not really enough or they would just kind of ghost at that point and, uh, and just, you know, it, it, I don't know. It felt like the right thing to be. It felt like the right approach and in, in like learn from the people who are going to be your customers and, you know, go build what they ask for. Um, but then, um, but then didn't really see results from it. I do think still like most of what they requested and uh, was like super reasonable and like did improve the product to where it is uh, today. Like where I think that people signing up today, like have a much more useful product because it can do, you know, an example of that would be like segmenting your uh, product tours to only show certain ones to certain demographics of users. Like if you have a new user that is, I don't know, an agency versus a small business owner, they may have more, uh, they may have a better understanding of tooling in general. And so they, you would just show a different thing. So you want to do segmenting within the app. And so that was something that I really do feel helped with making the product better, but then, yeah, it still didn't like end up driving those conversions um, in the way that I was hoping for. Yeah. Did any of those people you talked, like you said those were onboarding calls. So had those people paid for the product? And then uh, maybe I just like misspoke. It was more like demo calls, I guess of like, okay. you know, just um, people who had signed up for uh, they would sign up for fill out the early access form, tell me about like their, uh, use case. And then I would go and, uh, speak with them, but you know, to be also just like, I don't know, to just, uh, be critical on that point. It's like a lot of these people who are signing up probably were just following my journey of me building in public on Twitter and like, may not be like the ideal customer profile either. I have found that like initially I thought hopscotch might be a great use, um, or a great fit for like, really small companies like I originally was targeting like other solo founders indie hacker types that like you know to get them um a tool that they could afford that they could use for doing onboarding but really like you're not feeling the pains yet of having to manually onboard like hundreds of customers um at that scale and so where I'm now more leaning towards is like trying to target more companies that are kind of in the I don't know maybe like two to three employee to ten plus like 10, 15 employees. So they still like feel the pains of like app queues is too expensive, but they actually have like employees and 
revenue and are probably feeling some of the customer uh, some of the pains of trying to manually onboard so many users so i think it has like these conversations have been helpful to like guide me slowly to where i need to be um it's yeah it's just slow moving still and like now i don't see as many people filling that pipeline by default because i'm not really tweeting a lot and so it's like okay i gotta go and like chase my you know hunt my food (laughs) for lack of a better term and like go and you know either do some you know founder sales like going and uh prospecting and doing cold outreach or you know trying to work the seo game and and this is kind of like where i fall and get a little bit stuck of like not knowing the next best steps because there are like so many ways that i could go with this and none of them show like immediate returns and so um and so i kind of get a little bit deflated even like if you spend a week writing i don't know two or three um articles or you know docs or blog posts type things or like you go and fill out a bunch of Quora answers and then um, there's not necessarily going to be immediate returns these things kind of prove themselves over like six 12 months and um, and that can just be hard compared to I don't know I'm sure you both can relate of like you know going and coding a feature and then you see the returns like it works right there Um, so yeah it's just I feel like that's been the tricky part of where I'm at now. Yeah, it can be really hard when you're at the point of making content investments and you know that it's going to take months or years to pay off. But like investing in general, like, man, waiting for that payoff and being patient is so hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what like... I noticed yesterday with so many founders resonating on the same points and some of them getting through to the other side was really inspirational, like to read about and hear that like, yeah, they just, you know, keep, there's like an element of keep plugging away, but there's also like, you can keep plugging away doing the wrong thing forever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I am like really trying to like, since day one, I've tried to avoid like sinking many years into a startup that's not gonna ever see traction and and I've always been like at a certain point I just want to have like a cutoff trigger like where I like a kill switch where I'm like if I'm not making this much uh MRR that or you know have this much act like engagement in the product then like I should maybe switch to something that um is a bit easier to get people activated I'm still not convinced that that's not true like there's been a lot of encouragement to just keep going but I do think that this is a bit of a slow moving industry Uh, it may be a bit more of a uh, vitamin versus painkiller type of thing in for some people or at least that's the way they see it because when I reached back out to some of those um, leads and asked you know how did you end up solving this problem like which competitor did you end up going with they like so far the answers have been nothing like we Mm -hmm. are still like just thinking about this problem and we'd be happy to, you know, some of them are like, yeah, let's do another demo call or let's do another, you know, um, something like, let's talk about it again and reopen the conversation. And that's since April, however many months that is like five months or something like, um, going by without actually moving on the problem. And so that could be just the, again, the customer 
like that type of customer, or it could just be the way that people buy in the space. It's a bit of, a, a, you know, kind of, it's one of those things that's like sitting in the background. We should improve user onboarding, but then a lot of people don't because like, but they don't really realize that there is like this um, whole element of churn and like, and like the bottom line is so closely tied to user onboarding um, and improving that experience um, that th there's a disconnect there. So, so yeah. let's talk for a second about what is working. I'm really curious mm -hmm. about this customer that you have at $99 a month, you said. And I have, I have a couple of questions about them. First of all, is this somebody who knew you from Twitter? Or is this, as our friend Mike Buckby calls it, and I believe I quoted him on this last week, and Mike, you're getting quoted again this week, uh, stranger money. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh I think it's like I it's stranger money like okay. I didn't know this person yeah um okay and I don't remember exactly how they like came into the waiting list but they did like stumble on there and, but they were really looking for like yeah some managed service kind of white glove service there so I'm I've been helping a lot to do the implementation and planning there as well which is important to know it's like not just buy my SaaS like pay me 99 a month it's like quite a bit of hands-on work for for it as well mm -hmm. oh that's interesting and i noticed yeah and i noticed in the and all the the people kind of chiming in on the thread and offering support and advice and whatnot that um jesse from bento jumped in and he made the suggestion i'm just gonna read it throw a managed account offering 899 and see how many deals you can close with that I have a feeling many people would rather you do everything for them versus D DIY at 49 to 99. It was a huge unlock when we were stagnant at Bento. So much learning. And I was curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of value in that approach because you're learning about the problem by actually implementing the, you know, trying to solve it for them as almost like putting yourself in a consultant's uh, shoes, I guess part of like, part of even why I've been, I don't know, like it's kind of been draining to do that a bit from this other, um, for this customer. But again, I'm only charging 99 a month. And so there's not like the return on, on all those hours invested, but it has proven to give me some better learning and understanding of like how people want to think through this problem and how to solve it for them. Um, yeah, and I, I do think like, yeah, if I'm going to be justifying outbound uh, sales, if that's like long-term approach to this business, then you need to put a higher price point on it, which like kind of goes and partially removes like why I started this business in the first place, which is like to make a lower cost solution that like, you know, can be more affordable for people to get into. So yeah, it's been a bit, um, like, I, I like the idea, and then I just don't know that I want to run that um, kind of business long term of, like, having to basically do a productized service. So what I'm trying to understand with this one client that you have is the time you're spending with them, is that making it more hands-off in the future? Like, are you working on integration pieces that makes them, like, kind of will streamline it for your future clients? Yeah, like for, so 
a lot of this has been for learnings. Like I, I kind of agreed to take it on so that I could, you know, write some better documentation out of it, like realize what questions they have been having in the process and what we need to do to implement. So it will both be like product improvements that come out of it, you know, um, like just, yeah, tweaks to the product when I'm implementing for them, but also, oh, what questions am I asking the client? Um, and, and then turning those into like help docs or articles that maybe can help other people get up and running. Like, what do I need? What information do I need about my customer to like make a product tour that is going to be effective? Or what do I need to know about my product and the like audience that I'm serving to, to know if I need to implement a product tour or not? So I'm taking kind of those notes along the way, using it as a learning opportunity, hence not really like charging a premium. I, I was kind of just like, well, I get to learn a lot from this experience as well. Um, but the I, I did say like, after this initial implementation, I'm handing this back off to you um, and your team will have to run with it. So it's, yeah, I'm not like signing on for a forever job at 99 a month. And I ideally not doing that for each uh, customer. Yeah. So does this customer fit into your theory that you need to go after slightly bigger companies, two to three, what do you say, three to 10 employees with pretty significant revenue? Yeah, I would say. Um they operate mostly like with yeah contractors and freelancers helping them out but they are yeah kind of in that range of company size definitely not the you know initial indie hacker audience which i think yeah like is an easy thing to learn like we like like indie hackers don't have a ton of capital to be throwing at tools and they would rather go build things themselves or spend like a week like making their own solutions um and and it doesn't yeah it's just i think not having the access to the capital is like is a big challenge there so yeah i've definitely learned to like a bit about yeah maybe i should follow this um larger company size at least that's kind of where i'm at like i don't know if i want to i don't know if, if maybe that ideal customer is actually a bit bigger than even what i said maybe it's you know 20 plus employees um I've definitely had some companies reach out um, that were like 500 employees, but they tend to have much larger expectations, like want to do NPS scores. They want to do surveys through these tools. They want to have the tours. They want to do checklists. Like there's a lot of product gap. Like there's a lot of a big gap in what the product offers now that they kind of want a whole suite because they're kind of nearing on like enterprise or like really like larger business. So I'm trying to, like fit into this um, kind of smaller area with, where people might not have like such high expectations or like needs out of a product. And really they're just trying to focus on this one part, which is like activation and they can use another tool if they need to do um, like survey and feedback type of stuff. Like our sponsor this month, Reform, for example. <laughs> um. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> There you go, Peter. Um, I'm interested. So you mentioned, you know, you have other customers who are mostly sort of friends and family and like indie hacker money. And as you've kind of alluded to, basically this sort of irony of, you know, indie hacker world is basically that usually we're like we're not very good customers for each other for the most part. Um but a very good peer group community. Um, 
But I'm curious, this 99 a month customer, you did 30 demo calls. You probably learned a lot about what people were trying to solve within onboarding, like what their products were like and, you know, these things about company size and these sort of sort of corporate demographic questions, basically, but also the activity they're trying to solve and and how complicated their products are and, and what the, you know, basically what the cost is to them of having a poorly onboarded user. And so I'm kind of curious, like, do you notice any differences in the kind of product or the sort of goals or whatnot that your $99 a month customer is trying to do that those other customers are not that might be a clue for you on the sort of customer that you should focus on from a sort of activity-based perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, yeah, the, the biggest learning I've had there is, you know, when you go into their product, there are multiple use cases for it. You may sign up for one thing or another, like you're not necessarily doing, um, it's not like hopscotch where you come in and the single thing that you would like use is product tours, but you come in and there's a suite of products. And so when you have like this complex product that has multiple offerings, um, then you may want to guide the user to the next step. Um, a good example of this would be like wave accounting software, but they also do. So they have like receipt tracking, they have employee, uh, like, compensation and they have invoices and all these things and maybe you sign up and you only want one of those things like you may not need um, to know about every single part of that product and you may feel a bit overwhelmed when you come into a dashboard that has like 10 different options like completely different use cases and that's where um, I'm finding that there's uh, some some good opportunity there to help like with a product tour. And so for example, like this customer that I've onboarded, um, part of what we did is hook into their onboarding survey to say like, what are you trying to do with this product? Which I think is really helpful for then segmenting what you're going to show them in a tour. And so, you know, if they're, so um, it's like an SEO uh, platform. I won't get into too much more. I don't want to like, you know, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but it's is, it's but a like, it's a product you know. that has basically multiple different products within it that somebody has purchased, and maybe they know they need one of those, but and they don't know what these other things are that they're either they are paying for or the company would like them to start paying for, and so the value uh, that you're providing to them in this in this case is basically helping to introduce the customer to these other products and reduce uh, reduce sort of overwhelm that the, the customer might be feeling about coming into a complicated product. And the other, the There's... friends and family product, like those ones, were they more like single products without multiple products within them? Yeah, yeah, more like single products. And actually just a quite a slight tweak on um on the other one because like what users will actually do is come into this product they'll sign up and then they are 
they may know what they want to do, but th because there are so many options, they don't know what the next step would be to get to it. So instead of showing them the other options that they don't need, I'm actually guiding them more towards the one that they signed up and expressed interest for. So if they say like, mm -hmm. I need, um, you know, I'm interested in link building, whereas this other person might be interested in um, local SEO, then you want to guide them to that next um, part of the product that's going to be relevant to that so that they can take the next steps and see value out of the product there. And then going to your other point of introducing them to the other parts, like that is a great thing to do like over time as people use like one part of the product and then they come back to it. You can kind of use progressive disclosure to show things over time. Hey, did you know about this feature? Hey, this like, you know, and kind of like when you have um, software like Figma that maybe gives you a tip every week or something. And it's just like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. But like it kind of does some feature discovery is what it's called. And you can um, help users discover new features or features that they are not actively using. Um, so so yeah, those are a couple use cases that, that customers is using. So ultimately your product is about user retention. That's the value you're providing to your customer? Yeah, I would say um, kind of on the activation side um, as well, where you're really trying to get them from like, there's, there's a couple elements, you know, but the very first, like the core part at the start is getting them activated and getting them to take that next step once they come into your product that's going to help them to get to the outcome that they want. And what, and so asking yourself, what is the, like, what is the thing that your customer is coming in here to do? Uh, and then making sure that you can guide them right to that next step is like, um, is crucial. And so that, that is more in like the activation world and then retention, it can play a role in as well. But, um, because if you don't activate them, they're not going to stick around as well. Um, but yeah, there are also some other things that you could do like e email drip campaigns, um, and like, yeah, like kind of knowledge, um, like kind of an email campaign that um, educates your users on how to do what they want to do. Like it, it mixes really well with that to kind of retain them. Yeah. Right. So ultimately though, when you say activation, they've presumably like if I'm a user, I've already signed up for someone's service because I want it. So when you sell it to the person I'm, you know, signed up with, you're selling it as we will reduce your churn because they need to activate, because if they don't activate, they're going to churn because they're not going to see value. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely like tied into that. I guess, um, you know, there are just some, uh, tools like I, I forget, is it churn key, um, is like one that is like specifically focused on like the customers who are maybe about to churn out and then keeping them around or giving them offers. So, um, this is, uh, like, Primarily, I guess there because there's a spectrum of like you know from activation to like retention that you may um, find custom like that you want to focus on within that whole experience. But yeah, but like it all kind of adds up. It all plays really like together in in giving a good experience to your users that's going to keep them around. And yeah, you're right. Like to really what I want to do is like help um, help my customers. Uh, to show the value of the product to keep their customers around and, and get them, you know, activated and, and using it um, versus maybe getting dropped into a product that is um, just so overwhelming, like Michelle said earlier, where they don't know what the next steps should be. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's 
pretty much it. So I, I used to work on um, a couple of products that had that we actually used hopscotch style tours for. And basically the reason why we used hopscotch, it was I think we used a survey that then directed them into the proper hopscotch sequence. Mm-hmm. was because the products were incredibly complicated and we had limited ability to make those products less complicated. So it was a very painful problem for me as a product manager who was tasked with uh, driving retention metrics uh, but could not solve the foundational problems. And so we used hopscotch as a way to try to like basically overcome the fact that the, that the product was complicated and kind of thinking about that and thinking about what Colleen just said of like, you know, what is the pain that you are solving for people? I just pulled up your website. Um, Nudge your users to the aha moment. I like it. It's positive. But if you showed that to me when I was a product manager, you know, five or six years ago, that would not have been the problem I would have expressed to you. Right? It yeah, was like yeah, it's something around like is... reduce your churn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your product is complicated. Your users don't have to be overwhelmed. Like get them through it. Convert more help trials. Them through, that type of thing. Convert yeah. more trials. Like what is that goal that someone is trying to drive that relates to what you're solving where that's reducing churn increasing activation like you know stop losing users because they're confused like that's the problem Mm -hmm. you're solving that people have value in their products but because for whatever reason whether those reasons are in their control or not the products are complicated and their users are you know their users thought there was value in it but then they get to it and they can't get the value back and so, like, there's yeah, this there's mismatch been... and speak to the pain. I'm not, like, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing pain on your landing page. Yeah, I think in the, the H1 doesn't fully address it. It's something that, yeah, the, like, the thread yesterday and everyone reaching out after, like, definitely um, give me so many ideas of, like, where to go um, and what to focus on improving for Hopscotch. Like, there's a lot... <laughs> There's a lot, it's not like I'm coming uh, here and, and like, I'm all out of ideas now. Like, uh, there's nothing more that can be done. Like, there's so much more that could be done yeah. to improve the the state. And so it's been like, what do I choose from that? But that's a, a pretty mm. like, yeah, a no brainer is like the positioning of it and kind of better um, focusing on the outcomes. I think you're like, absolutely right there. Um, I have like, let's see, I, because there were, I don't know, 20 people that sent me, like, it was so great yesterday, like 20 people sent me DMs and like had like great conversations with some other founders. And then, um, and then I had some other people that kind of just commented and offered their suggestions as well. And I've been trying to just like 
go through that and like make a list of like points of like what I could explore and take away from that. Like, so that it's not all just like me airing my grievances and Twitter, which I usually <laughs> do, but I actually like go and take something away from, uh, from it. And, you know, there, there was, um, I guess some of the pieces in there include like what you just said. It's like really like, you know, you should be focusing on the outcomes more like, uh, and someone suggested like, you know, increase trial conversions, improve feature adoption. And so there's more that I could do to like really, um, yeah, like reduce churn to make that clear. I think there's a positioning element and, um, and just like communication element that could be improved upon. Um, there's also just like number of people are, are not coming through. Like there's not enough people that are coming through my site and through the sign up flow to even um, make like great, um, I don't know, decisions based on mm. like data driven decisions. You know, it, it's if I if we're picking it into this like one or two customers kind of thing, it's like, you need more people trying this. You need more people activating. And so finding ways that I can do that through, um, you know, people have given some great recommendations of like um, how I can go ahead and like build like a, a sales campaign or um, use AdWords and SEO tactics to kind of like grow this. I guess a lot of it ends up like there's a ton of things that I, uh have taken from that um from from that thread of like good ideas and now it's like deciding which things that i can do and i think it will come down to like evaluating which are the easy ones that i can like make changes to right now really quickly like this um i don't know playing with the communication and wording on the on the site and then some of it will be more like long-term investment other things might be more immediate like running some AdWords tests, like $10 a day and just like trying out some different headlines to see what grabs people and then using the learnings from that to maybe um, further update like what my content game will be or what my, um, you know, what my wording on the website should be like based on what people click in those ads. It's, like it's been, it's been really nice to get some of that information. And then, uh, and then other people even mentioned about the pricing, um, maybe not being accessible, but again, I have to take that with a grain of salt, but there's, you know, people who are, um, saying the jump from a free tier to $50 a month and then a hundred dollars a month is too large. And so maybe there could be, uh, a price in between that, um, that becomes more accessible if I am trying to target like, uh, smaller businesses as well. Um, and then there's like the other advice, which is go and add a price tier on the other side that is like $800 a month and, <laughs> right. you know, do managed services. So it's, um, yeah, there's just been almost, it's been overwhelming to like get all this, um, new knowledge and information overnight. <laughs> It, I mean, it totally makes sense that you're, uh, you're, you're swimming in ideas right now. Um, and yeah, I, I sort of just added one to that pile there. (laughs) Um, and I almost, I'm almost reminded of kind of the situation that Colleen was in after she first started doing user interviews where like, there was like so many ideas coming at her from customers and she was having so many ideas and then it was like where do I go from here yeah I remember hearing like those episodes and where you did like the live um you know 
customer call um, where Michelle interviewed your customer and and then yeah a lot of trying to figure out what the next step should be it does feel a lot like that like there's so many paths to go down um, what's the right one and I think you know a big part of it has even just been like does it make sense to keep going down paths like down these paths at all or try some like again like try a whole new thing um, and I think that's why I was like was and maybe am scared to even go forward with some of this stuff is like does it make sense to keep investing the time in uh in what I'm building now um if you know is it gonna help me see returns in a year or two years time versus switching to something else um it seems like a lot of people think that it's definitely a good idea to keep going um and and so I'm leaning towards that. I still think I want to have like some kill switch, like, you know, to avoid um, running three years without any revenue kind of thing. And, and I need to see some positive signals at some point. But yeah, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. But it, it has given me a bit more hope of like, this is a normal feeling, Cam. Like you are allowed to feel deflated. You're allowed to feel like um, you don't have like you don't aren't great at sales and marketing just by default, you know, you have to work towards those and put a lot of work in. And so it's okay to feel like this and it's okay to like, um, like it's not just that the product is bad or that the market isn't there. It's just, this is a part of the process. So mm. just coming to terms with that has been, um, really helpful over the past day and gives me a bit more, um, I don't know, just like, like, a bit more in my like desire to keep going. Alex Hillman has a great article on this. It's about, it's about all of the developers who take his course and how, when they get to the marketing course, they all freak out because when someone mm -hmm. is excellent in their field, starting over is so hard. So there's a lot of things I feel like I heard you say today. And one of them is it, I wanted to ask you, is it that you just don't want to do marketing because you're convinced it's going to fail? Or, I mean, wh what what is your thought? Like all of this, are, do you feel like you should be making more revenue now and you're frustrated and that's where this is coming from? I think, you know, I I think that it's like, it's a mix of like, yeah, will the marketing see fruits at the end of like of all that investment because because just you know going through 40 50 calls and and then only coming out with like one customer that I'm basically doing it all for them at the end like is that the type of business that I want to be growing like do I want to do a sales driven and like hands-on business versus something more like you know seeing what Peter has done with reform of like really people are signing up and get going themselves maybe you have to have like higher numbers but like it's more um I don't know, like it, it lends itself better to self sign up and self serve where you can do a bit more product led, you still have to do marketing, but like the way that the business operates is not like hiring a sales team, it's investing in content and other other parts of the business, which is more maybe the type of business. So it's been that like question mark about the um, business in general, like, is that kind of where I want to go with it? Um, and 
yeah, I mean, there are all sorts of fears in there. I think a lot of it is also just a fear of like, yeah, it like, do I know what I'm doing? And I actually, I worked in marketing for five years, believe it or not, as like scary as like, I, I worked in music marketing for concerts. It was a much different um, thing. And this was like six or so years ago. And so it's a much different beast, but uh, than SaaS marketing, but um yeah, like even with that experience, it's still just scary to go out on your own and like, I don't know, just feel you feel back at square one again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, to what you said, I think that's a totally normal feeling and this feeling of like struggling and like, ah, oh, this isn't working. And then also you get some more ideas and you're like, OK, wait, where where do I go? Like, what do I do next? And you know, I noticed like you, you posted that thread and I'm guessing that you woke up that morning not not feeling so great. Yeah, and, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I wonder how you felt waking up this morning after getting all of that support. Today has been much different. Like it's been it's always like Man, it's so amazing to see that people are going to be there to lift you up when you're like feeling a bit down. I think, I don't know, I've has it, I've like wrote tweets like that and then deleted them because like it's very personal and just like very open. And, you know, you're like our potential customers going to read this, think less of me for like running a business than not knowing what I'm doing. You know, there's all all sorts of like fear in in that and what I'm realizing is like there's been a lot of appreciation for this open approach um so I I wake up the next day with like just feeling very grateful to have like that knowing that maybe I need to like yeah rely on community more maybe get more involved with like talking to other founders a bit and ideating with them because working alone is um very challenging to like be in your own head all the time and see you know, things moving so slowly. Um, but yeah, at the same time, like the next day, having a hundred people reach out and all give you like many ideas has been overwhelming at the same time, um, for like what to do next. But I guess like the core of what my challenge was or is, is not so much like what to do next, because all of these ideas, I'll put them in a list and work through them one by one. That's the only way to get things done is like one thing at a time but yeah just like knowing um it's it's more figuring out like the conviction around like am is this the type of business I want to keep working on because in a couple years um the efforts hopefully will yeah show fruits for the labor and then also I keep using that term which I've never used before like <laughs> I don't know why everything's <laughs> bearing fruits today but um but you know like that kind of thing of just like really like, will this be the business that I want to build and, and making sure that I'm doing that. And I think that's been a big part of the fear that I have of, um, of moving forward. So I don't have an answer to that yet, but I do have a lot of people who have been like really kind and offering advice. And so I think there's still some chewing on this idea to be done. Yeah. And I think that question of, is this the business I want to build? I think that's, that's a question that only you can answer. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I, that is one thing I've noticed, like as much advice as 
uh, you soak in or people give you, you know, they could all be right, like in their own ways. But then it comes down to like a deeply personal decision on like what, like how you want to approach things. So T, B, D on all that. <laughs> all that. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good point for us to wrap up today. Cam, thank you so much for your vulnerability, both here uh, and on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm reminded of something I heard uh, Nicole Baldinu, co-founder of Webinar Ninja, say on her podcast recently. Uh, Nicole and Kate can relate, which is true vulnerability is when there is personal risk involved. And I think your tweet um, and thread about that really shows like there, there was that risk involved and you took it and um, and people jumped in to help. Um, and I think that's what's so amazing about our community. Um, but so I encourage um, people to follow along with Cam. Um, you are at Sloan Cam on Twitter. Uh, your product is hopscotch.club. Thank you so much for coming on, Cam. Thank you both for having me. It was such a pleasure. Love the podcast. And, you know, I'm always listening and tuning in and love following along your stories because it's really inc it's encouraging as well to just, you know, hear what you're both, um, you know, working on. And so that always helps me feel a little less like it's just me and having, you know, some help along the way. So thanks so much. All right. Well, Colleen, talk to you next week. Bye. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.